Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports. J.J. Jerez, Arif Dean here in Ball Arena following the 3-2 Avalanche victory in Game 2 here. Uh, a gutsy performance, right? I mean, they were really looking horrendous in the first period, I think, for lack of a better <laughs> That's term. That's a good one, yep. And, uh, yeah, everything was resurrected and everything turned out all right. Devontae's with the game-winning goal late in the third period, Arif. I think... All of us are really curious about what was said, what happened, what switch was flipped there in between the first and second period. We can only, I guess, get the uh, context clues that were given from the conversations we had with the players, the Jared Bednar. What do you think was done? What happened in between those two periods to really turn this comeback and, and turn this game around? I talked to several members of the media here and several members of uh, Altitude staff and guys after the first intermission, and everybody, we all kind of like, is this team just exhausted? Are they tired? Are they hurt? Are they are they, are they just, it's not their year, basically. Is it is it a team that's gassed, a team that gave it their all in the second 41 games of the season, a team that rode McKinnon and Ranton and too hard, a team that, you know, we saw it against Arizona, we saw it against Anaheim, we saw it multiple times, a team that continuously gave up and coughed up two goal leads only to come back and win it in overtime in the shootout. Was this a team that just didn't have any gas left in the tank? And then they came out in the second period, and it looked like that very same team that won the cup last year, obviously missing a couple guys, but the the aggressive forecheck, the amount of opportunities the traffic in front of the net seeing jt comfort banging bodies in there and arturi lekin and getting body slammed by guys and getting pinned down and getting booze from the crowd and the refuse suck chance because of how many times a kraken player sat on top of lekin and ripped his helmet off or just pinned him to the ice like this guy is so annoying and everything that we thought in the first intermission there's no way you can't have no gas left in the tank and then do that there's no way so something else had to change. And, and, you know, we talked to Kel McCarr about it, and he said that we had a conversation after the first period. And somebody asked him a very good follow-up that, was it a rowdy pump-up type of conversation or was it calm? And he said it was calm. And if I can read between the lines on what he said, on what Jared said, he talked about what he said between the period and obviously said the players talked as well. If I could read between the lines, I think this is a team that coming out of game one knew they did not play well. And we've been talking about it for the last two days. We've been tweeting about it for the last two days. There was no panic in that room because mm -hmm. they knew they could be better. It's not like they gave their best effort and got beaten by this pesky Seattle group. They gave nowhere close to their best effort and said, you know what? They gave their best effort. We didn't. We have more to give. They gave us about as good as they can. And they knew going into this game they had to be better. And I think it kind of got to the point where it's like, well, of course the Avalanche are going to come out. I think I told you before the game, I said – 2 nothing before the first commercial break, the Avalanche will lead. Because I saw what Toronto did. I saw what Dallas did. And I said, this is what the home team does. They're going to respond in game two. And then I think the first intermission happened. And going back to what Kale McCarr said about that calm conversation, they sat there and they said, all right, enough is enough. We got to do this. We got to come out better. There was a word that Jared Bednar used several times during the postgame presser, and you and I saw a tweet that he also apparently said on live TV during, you know, a um, in between commercial interview and that's swagger right he said that they were working on getting their swagger back and uh they were had to chip away at it right slowly but surely they got their swagger by the end of the game it was in full swing i guess Arif, what does that swagger look like for this team what 
once they turned that swagger on, what was different than when they had it turned off? Relentless. It is such a relentless team. Who are the two guys that scored the goals in the second period? Arturi Lekanen and Val Nichushkin. Val and Mini Val. And <laughs> I, what, got, I knew you were going to say I, that I today. Have to do it. I have to do it because <sighs> when you think of the word relentless, what two guys do you think of on this team? Val and Arturi Lekanen. Also known as Mini Val. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the guys. It's a relentless attack. Val Nichushkin. When you think of Swagger, I think of Val Nichushkin's newfound confidence this year where every time he scores, he has to do that point that, yep, yep, we're going to rile up the crowd with a celebration. He did it in Arizona on the road. He did it at home here to get the crowd going. That confidence he has in his celebrations now. When I think of Relentless, I think of a 5'11", 180-some pounds. If he's even 180, I think he's 176 is what he's listed at. Arturi Lekanen in the crease, banging away at the puck. And like I said a couple minutes ago, just pissing off all the defenders. Like, who is this guy and why is he in our kitchen? Jamie Alexiak, Will Borgen, uh, just big bodies on that blue line. Adam Larson. Um, so that's what I think of. I think of a relentless attack from the Avalanche. And when you think Relentless with this team, you think the two guys that scored the goals that made it 2-2. Two to two. Yeah, I just I'm impressed by the resilience of this group too. Yes, they were relentless, but they're also resilient. They could have had every reason to fold up and say, "Ah, tonight's not our night either. Let's go to Seattle and bring this thing back to two. Um, but no, they they found the way to win and they dug deep and said, "You know, what we have the heart of champions. We we are the reigning champion of the NHL. Let's go out there and show it. Let's go out there and prove that we are still uh, a force to be reckoned with with in this league." So, um, yeah, just good stuff. Really, you know, as Avs fans, I'm sure a lot of people are really proud of what they watch tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it helped to be able to have more than one line clicking. And it goes to Miko Rantan and McKinnon not playing together. It goes to another underrated move. Even though it's eight minutes of hockey, having Darren Helm instead of Ben Myers. Being able to have a Darren Helm center the fourth line. Because without Helm, Jared Bednar plugged in Andrew Cogliano as a center something he hasn't played since his days with the Oilers I believe and then Cogliano gets hurt he doesn't want to play Ben Myers as a center in the playoffs so then you got to take Newhook off the Malgin and Eller line which not that Newhook Malgin and Eller were even good in game two I think that line is struggling big time uh, and you need both Eller and Malgin to step up for them to be better but taking Newhook off that line and putting Ben Myers with Malgin and Eller is not a good look that's your third line just does not look good. It's a trade deadline acquisition. It's a guy that you picked up for scraps from Toronto that ended up being a pleasant surprise. And a kid from the AHL that probably shouldn't be playing in the playoffs this year hasn't developed to that level yet. So just getting Darren Helm back and having him secure a fourth line with Nieto and O'Connor, waiting for Cogliano to be able to reunite that fourth line from last year, that glorious checking veteran line with Logan O'Connor, and then being able to put Newhook back on the third line helps just as much as it does to do what Jared did in the top two lines and switch things up. Yeah, let's di let's dive into those top two lines a little bit because, like you mentioned, Val and Arturi Lekanen, the difference makers, and playing on separate lines tonight. So just just the presence that Arturi Lekanen, I mean, we, we talked about him after game one. So naturally, Jared Bednar said, yeah, you guys at Hockey Mountain High are pretty smart. You're right. <laughs> Arturi Lekanen played a great game. I'm going to bump him up to the first line. You and I also discuss after game one the difficulty the Avalanche had digging pucks out of the corner. Well, tonight that problem, I wouldn't say it was solved, but relentless. They, they, they did it a little 62, bit better. Man. He's, he's so great at it. And, you know, I asked Jared about the decision to go with Lekanen ahead of Nachushkin, and it was twofold. Number one, 
you know, he said exactly what we said last game, that Lekkonen just had a great game and Nichushkin didn't. It seemed like Lekkonen was the guy that needed to get that promotion to play with a center like McKinnon. And then he also mentioned a good point. Number one, you know, when, when McKinnon returned from his injury, I think I have the timeline correct in my head. When McKinnon returned from his injury on New Year's Eve, Miko had spent the last several weeks between that December 6th injury and that December 31st return, he had spent the last several weeks kind of driving his own line, something they didn't see much of last year because he always played with, with Nas or with Nate. And coming back out of that, Jared said, why would I put him back together? Let's have Miko drive his own line and Nate drive his own line. This is before the Nieto acquisition. This is before Eller, before Jack Johnson. This is when they have before Malgin or right around Malgin. Like they don't have a lot of depth in their forward group. So if I remember correctly, it was Lekkinen, McKinnon, Rodriguez, and Comfer was playing with Rantanen and and. I want to say Nachushkin, but he was hurt a lot. So mm -hmm. it was whoever the hell, plug and play. <laughs> I think Matt Nieto played there at some point too. Jesus, this team, man. Um, so that was that was the first part. It was twofold. That was the first part was that Lekkinen had a much better game one. The second one was Lekkinen and McKinnon have played a lot together. Not that Val and Nate haven't, but Lekkinen and McKinnon without Miko have kind of been a formidable pair. And I love that he threw in that extra bit that something that I didn't realize or not didn't realize but didn't really click in my mind is Comfort and Nichush can kill penalties together they're a formidable pair on the PK and to have them together at even strength with oh I don't know a 55 goal score on the other wing not a bad line to have let's look at Miko Ranton a little bit just not not playing to the level of Miko Ranton and of the regular season so far through two games only really managed two shots on goal um and yeah just kind of went unnoticed tonight right I mean uh, the, the the times I did notice him it seemed like it was for the wrong reasons he did not have a good game too <laughs> game one I don't want to say that he stuck out in a bad way because he kind of was just lumped in with the rest of the team the guy that stuck out in a bad way in game one was Josh Manson mm -hmm. you noticed him the rustiness the two penalties and then the Devon Taves turnover you noticed him kind of stick out in a bad way mm -hmm. Miko I wouldn't say stuck out in a bad way more than the rest of the team but tonight he did. And in game one, he even scored. I mean, it was a nice goal. And, you know, we saw him kind of struggle today. And given the way that you saw somebody like Devon Taves and Val Nichushkin, for that matter, guys like that bounce back from a tough game one, you're hoping to see that out of Miko Rantanen. And, and what I love about this team is they've done it time and time again this year. When they sink, when they lose, they find a way to bounce back. When guys have tough stretches, they find mm -hmm. a way to bounce back. And they usually do it on the road. And this is going to be a massive Game 3. The first ever playoff game in the Seattle Kraken's history. It's going to be a rowdy crowd. It's going to be a tough crowd. But this is a team in the Avalanche that won 29, I want to say, road games. Well, really 28 because one was in Finland. It's a neutral site game. But 28 games in road buildings around the NHL. One of them being the one game they played in Seattle on the second of a back-to-back that's the type of game where someone like Miko Rantanen can, can bounce back. You know, this morning at Morning Skate, I was watching the Seattle Kraken do their morning skate, and they had a lot of looseness to their, to their skate, right? A lot of looseness to their energy. They were all chatting, cracking jokes, smiling, having fun, a good energy. The Kraken were crack The Kraken, kraken were cracking jokes, yes, yes. Um, and of course, look at, look from a Seattle Kraken perspective. You come into Colorado, you win Game One, you're feeling good about yourself. You come into Game Two, you're up to nothing in the first period, and then the Avalanche start to come back. I think that's where you really start to plant a lot of doubt 
in the Seattle Kraken's head. Once it was 2-2, I think the Kraken are taken back. They're on their heels saying, uh-oh, these guys are on their way. These guys are building momentum, and they are. Uh, we're, we're starting to see the avalanche of old. I think that plant, that seed of doubt is still planted heading into Game 3, and the avalanche, by winning Game 3, can really, I think, crush the spirits of the Seattle Kraken. What's our favorite gift from that Lake Tahoe game? A little more than two years ago. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's Nathan McKinnon grabbing the puck, galloping up the ice, and Alex Petrangelo, a Stanley Cup champion, skating backwards, one of the best defensemen in the league, and saying, oh, boy. And that's what happened in the Seattle Kraken today. Mm -hmm. They kind of had that feeling of, okay, this is what we thought we were going to get. We were playing with house money, and it worked, and we were like, hey, we have some confidence. Like, we can actually do this. Like, Columbus once swept a 62-win Tampa Bay Lightning to win their first series in franchise history, like 20-some years after becoming an expansion team, almost 20 years. Um, actually, yeah, 18 years after becoming a uh, an expansion team. Why can't we do that to the defending cup champs? They started to get that confidence because it went from a team playing with house money to, holy shit, we can actually do this. And then the period flipped from the first to the second of game two, and it became, oh boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said, well said. Um, Thank yeah. you, I try. Yeah, definitely fear placed in the hearts of Seattle Kraken. No matter what they say, don't listen to any reports that come out in the next couple days. Um, but guys, Superbook Sports, of course. Baseball is back, and the push for the postseason is on for hockey and for hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Um, Arif, we talked about the jumbling of the forward lines. We talked about how Josh Manson was under a microscope as having a tough game in Game 1. Of course, I think that led Jared Bednard to scramble up the defensive pairings a little bit. What do you think of what he did with the defensive guys tonight? This is going to sound hilarious because I made a joke about this somewhere during the game. I think it was when they were trailing 2 to nothing, but... That third pair needs Jack Johnson. The joke that I made during the game was the Jack Johnson injury ended the Avalanche's run at defending the champ, uh, the championship, which obviously is a joke. But that third pair needs him because Jack ended the season. It sounds hilarious to say it out loud. He ended the season on such a high note, and he was playing some of the best hockey. Actually, full stop. Jack Johnson was playing the best hockey we've seen him play as a member of the Avalanche. Shut down defense. Shut down defense, calming presence. And right now on the third pair, you have Eric Johnson, who's lost a step or two, is the nice way of putting it. Hasn't looked his best, especially in the playoffs, but you saw it in the late in the regular season too, which is why before that late switch that happened from Jack to Eric after the warmups of game one, that Jared Bednar was entertaining the idea and basically did scratch Eric Johnson for Jack Johnson. And then the second guy on there is, ja is uh, Josh Manson, who... Man, it's it's tough. He's when he came back from his first injury in that game in Minnesota, he was unbelievable. The best game he's played with with the Avalanche since he was acquired and Jared Bednar said that himself. This time around, something is off. In the second period, he played well. He was in the offensive zone. He was he was in a like he had two or three good scoring opportunities. He was throwing his body around doing that Josh Manson thing. Also took a bad penalty, his third minor of the series, but 
you know, after playing only 10:48 last game, he played 12:11 tonight, and him and Eric are kind of struggling together at five on five. So I think getting Jack in there with Josh Manson until Josh finds his footing and you can throw him back into the top four would be nice if you even throw him into the top four because what you have right now is a couple of righties in Kilmacar and Bowen Byron playing together and a couple of lefties in Sam Gerrard and Devon Taves playing together. And I asked Jared about this as well. And <laughs> I asked Jared a question about Byram, but I called Byram Bednar when talking to Bednar about Byram. It was great. I said, what, you know, what was the decision in playing Bednar? Secondhand embarrassment. Secondhand me. embarrassment for the entire <laughs> press room. Shout out me. I hope, you know, they brought in the mics now. So if that was broadcasted on ESPN, everybody heard Arif's voice calling Byram Bednar when talking to Bednar. Hey, hey, Bednar, what did you think of playing Bednar with Makar is basically how the question went. Um, but... Those two guys have great chemistry. Bowen Byram is a stud. He's an all-star in this game, and he reminds me of the Sergachev to Tampa Bay's headman is what you see with, with, with Bowen Byram to the Avalanche's Kel McCarr. He's a star in the making himself. And then Devontae's and Sam Gerrard, I can't stress this enough, especially with what we've seen from Josh Manson in these two games. The resurgence of Samuel Gerrard since New Year's Day 2023, both offensively, and defensively, and a new kicker physically cannot be understated. And I'm not just doing this to try to stick one to all the Gerard haters. He has been unbelievable. And him and Devon Taves, I forget who tweeted me, and I should probably pull up the tweet, but I don't have the time right now. Somebody tweeted me to remind me this. Gerard and Taves were one of the top 10 best D pairings in that 21 season, analytically, because they played together because McCarr was still playing with Ryan Graves at the time. Putting them two back together, a couple of lefties that feed off each other, has been exceptional. And it was something that Jared mentioned that them two played a lot together when McCarr was injured this year. And that was something that good that came from the McCarr injury. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bowen Byram and Kale McCarr combined for 12 of the Avalanche 41 shots and each walk away with an assist. And then, of course, Devontae with a goal and an assist. And Sam Gerrard, not on the score sheet, but he made a lot of good defensive so plays good. tonight. He was genuinely Just subtle so poke checks. Just the, the, he had the an smart assist. He had an assist. Sam Gerrard did? Yeah, you're looking at the wrong sheet. He's right. Yep, he had an assist. Oh, they must have changed it? Yeah, they, they updated it after. Yep. So he had an assist. He was plus two, and I believe well, there he you had go. three yeah. hits. Three hits for beautiful little Sammy. Beautiful stuff, yeah. I mean, and, and again, the defensive plays, just those little poke checks, right? Such Sam Gerrard defense. Not not going to wow you. He's not going to lay a huge hit on anybody, but he will have a really good active stick, and uh, that's what you, you saw, and you saw it out of all four of those guys. And, um, yeah, if we can inch Eric Johnson and Josh Manson to a little bit more confidence, I mean, you're, you're going to be back at a formidable six, but we'll see how um, those get managed yeah. throughout the rest of the and, series. And Josh Manson is a great player. Like, the fact that, and, and, and I'm not by any means like disrespecting Eric Johnson. He needs to be playing with somebody that can carry the pairing, and Josh Manson is too rusty to do that right now. Once Josh Manson can carry the pairing and eat up some of those minutes, Eric can start to rely on Josh. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you hope that that's what could end up happening unless you play Jack instead. But having Gerard and Taves together is just such an underrated pairing. And obviously, Bowen Byram is a stud. We've been talking about him for years. We talk about him privately all the time. That guy should be playing top-line minutes. You know, and, and if things don't work, if things end up you know, down the line, you need to make another change, well, guess what? You put seven back with eight, and you let them do their thing because you know that's an incredible pairing 
arguably hell the best pairing in the nhl not even arguably so you have a lot of options now and you just need that josh manson guy to be the josh manson that we saw in the second period start to get his feet wet a little bit have some confidence because we're two games into the first round series and josh manson has played in those two games just over 23 minutes like you can have a game where josh manson plays 23 minutes in that night alone he's got 23 minutes in two games yeah we've talked over and over in the past how important the defensive point production is for this avalanche structure i mean without the defensive yep Guys doing anything, the Avalanche forwards suffer and have and, a hard time scoring goals. And real quick, Lekinen from Makar and Byram, Nichushkin from Rodriguez, and Devon Taves. Game-winning goal, Devon Taves from Lekinen and Samuel Gerrard. So you yeah. got two there for Taves. You got one for Makar, one for Byram, one for Gerrard. Those are your four Four of horses. your six The assists. top four, those are the guys. Um, another big thing I think that really won the Avalanche the game tonight was face-offs. I know that's weird to say <laughs> coming from the Colorado Avalanche. They won 55% of the face-offs, but really seemed to have won the big ones that yep. mattered, right? I mean, they, they definitely had one that led to a goal off a set face-off play. But Nathan McKinnon winning 12 of 20 face-offs today. Yeah, we love that. We love to see that. Anytime you can see McKinnon get his confidence back in the face-off circle and have 20 face-offs which leads the which leads not the NHL which leads the team is a great thing to have anytime you can see and I think what what happens there is once you take Rantanen off of his wing and take away that safety net of a guy that can take those draws and put them with Lekin and Rodriguez that basically says hey Nate you got to take these you got to win them I mean Evan Rodriguez did take one face off it was probably when somebody was kicked out but that's when you got to rely on McKinnon. When he doesn't have his Ranton and safety net and his usual Landeskog safety net, you got to throw him out there, and it was nice to see him respond. Yeah, very nice because big wins. It's a frustrating yeah. area. Typically. I will say real quick about Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, zero points from both of them. I listen to a lot of radio shows, a lot of podcasts, a lot of national media, and the things that they all talked about. I mentioned the Myers-Eller-Malgin line earlier, and that's what a lot of people talked about was, you know, we talked all – regular season about the avalanche but then we saw their lines in game one and we said mckinnon ranton and rodriguez cool and then you look at the bottom three lines and you're like whoa their depth is suffering and then you know they started to realize no burakovsky no landeskog no kadri this is a game where mckinnon and ranton nothing goose eggs and points but Lekkinen stuck up, step up, stepped up. Rodriguez stepped up. Nichushkin stepped up. Those are the other three guys in your top six. JT Comfort didn't have a point, but the defense stepped up. That's what you want to see from this team. You can't always rely on 29 and 96. They'll give you a lot of games. They'll carry you. If you need 16 wins to, to win the Stanley Cup, which you do, you can rely on 29 and 96 to carry you for half of those, for 10 of those. But you need other guys to step up, and today it was Val and Mini Val. <laughs> God, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> three stars of the night, you know, to your point. Star number three, Val Nachushkin. Star number two, Arturi Lekkinen. Star number one, Devon Taves. Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen off of that list. Also off of that list, notably, in my opinion, is the guy that won the game for you, Alexander Georgiev. His performance tonight so was good. stellar. I mean, yes, the two goals, not his fault by any means. Sure, maybe he'd like to have them back, whatever. But the way he was able to shut the door from there on out. And not only that, in very dangerous and good opportunities from Seattle, he kept them away and kept the avalanche alive, kept the momentum going in the avalanche's favor. And without him tonight and without his performance, 
the Avalanche wouldn't have been able to pull this off. I had a really good question for him, and I didn't get a chance to talk to him. Well, actually, you tell me if this is a really good question, but I genuinely feel like, because what did we say about Gyorgiev in game one? He didn't lose them the game, but he also didn't make any, like, wow saves. And then what did we see in the first period? He didn't lose them the period, but again, he didn't make any big wow saves. My question to Georgiev was going to be something along the lines of when the team started to come out strong in the second period and got the first goal and then 46 How seconds. How does it feel? 46 <laughs> seconds later, got the – those are my least favorite questions, and I've asked them before, and I hate it. How does it feel to tie the game up? What do you fucking yeah. think? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hated it. Sucks to score. Made me nauseous. Made, yeah, just terrible. Hate it. Never again. But, but, yeah, so my question to him was going to be something along the lines of the team gets one, they get a second one, it is now 2-2. Two to two. Were you able to feed off of that to say they're finally waking up? Let me wake up because we didn't see Georgiev make those big stellar saves until after that, except for the one late in the first period, the one that could have made it three to nothing. But outside of that, he didn't make a lot of grade A like ten bell saves, as they say about goalies, until after the Avalanche got that first goal, that second. You, me, and Jesse Montano. What were we saying? When it was two to two, we said Georgiev's got to shut it down. The Avalanche have awoken. Their goalie needs to start making those big saves and steal something for you. And you saw it. You saw it on, on the PK that I referenced. You saw it on the three-on-one on Jordan Eberle. In the third period, we got some Gorgie chance or Georgie chance. or Gorgie. couldn't tell. It was a mix of the yeah. two. Gorgie, Georgie. 18,000 people. Nobody knows whether to say Gorgie, Georgie, and then if you— Even Jared Bednar, I've heard yeah, him lately call him both. Gorgie. Gorgie, yeah. <laughs> if, you listen, if you listen closely, if you want to hear Gorgie, you'll hear Gorgie. If you want to hear Georgie, you'll hear Georgie because <laughs> half of these 18,000 people were saying guh and the other were saying ja. Whatever the hell you want to call him, he was stellar. Absolutely. Fantastic stuff out of Alexander Georgiev. And uh, I guess the last thing I wanted to talk about was it felt like maybe the momentum shift, the— X factor of the night when Kale McCarr bats the puck <laughs> over the glass, the fan catches it, the building was, goes wild, and the night turns around. What that was know? that was so fun. That was just <laughs> hilarious. There's the uh, account. If you guys aren't following it, please do. It's Hockey Daily 365 at Hockey Daily 365. I should say uh, one of the last remaining people on Twitter with a blue check mark, um, and that's understandable. They got to post long videos, but uh, he actually posted that how the crowd went wild and the fan was so happy to catch that puck that McCarr deflected up over over the glass. Which, by the way, that was a big play by McCarr because if you remember that puck he was, was pinching. Had he, he not, was, they were going. He was. Two they were going to go. They were going to go two on zero, two on one. Yep, it was going to be a clear opportunity, and the game was still two nothing here. Mm-hmm. McCarr pinched and then saved his own bacon by mm-hmm. batting that puck and it went right over the the, the fan caught it and just kind of gave some fist bumps to the Turning crowd. Point. And then the Daily 365 account not only posted it, so you can go back and look at their feed and find the video where he said, here's a very happy fan catching a puck, but he came back later and quote tweeted it when it was 2-2 two to two and said, was this the TSN turning point? <laughs> and it, it's it's just a funny joke to make, but... I missed the, that. I the, crowd, that. the crowd needed something to get riled up for, and I said it to you before, it was, before the Avalanche scored a goal. I, I've waited 82 games for playoff energy, and I've yet to have it. It showed up tonight. That guy kind of got it going <laughs> a little bit. Got it going. The avalanche fed off of that guy catching the puck. <laughs> Kill McCard deflected by Lekin in 2-2, two to two and, and then the rest is history. Shout out to that guy. Yeah. If you're out there, yeah, pat yourself on the back. Unless you're also leaf blower guy, then we got to <laughs> we gotta call it. And we got to go. We got to fight. Um, yeah, <laughs> that'll be all for tonight, I guess. Uh, uh, outstanding stuff from the avalanche. I mean, just being resilient, showing what – 
true champions are made of being able to dig themselves out of adversity and pick themselves up by the bootstraps and get it done. Amazing stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. We don't, we don't know how long this run is going to last. All we know is I'm going to say the same thing I've said on the last three, four episodes. What they did last year, it's not supposed to be that easy. Mm-hmm. It really, truly, genuinely isn't supposed to be that easy. The Tempe Lightnings won two. Cu- the Tempe Lightning won two cups, and in both of them, they had to play a seven-game series against the freaking New York Islanders. So it's not supposed to be that easy. That was one. Fifteen more to go. We'll see if they can get there. But it all starts in Seattle for Game Three. I have a flight to catch tomorrow, and Saturday's Game Three. Monday's Game Four. Tuesday we're back here. Wednesday's Game Five. That's a guarantee for sure. We'll see where it goes from there. Absolutely. So, yeah, follow Arif and all his coverage from Seattle. We'll definitely be doing a post-gamer there as well. And then yep. you want to tease Sunday? We might be having an old friend on the show. And uh, we'll just leave it at that. Lives in Seattle now. <laughs> well, that was a pretty big hint. Um, yeah, so thanks for hanging out with us today after this Game 3 edition of the podcast from Ball Arena. Don't forget to check out Superbook Sports if you made it this far in the podcast. Bless your pretty little heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. We out you. Yeah.